And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. Yeah, I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? I'm so stoked for this, that it's working out, that we're getting this going. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. I listen to every episode, so I'm excited to be invited. This episode's <laughs> about you, and I'm stoked. I fucking love your art. It's so good. Uh, and what's what's rad, uh, before we even jump into who you are, like explaining your name is like, verified artists where I can reach out and you guys are cool as shit and you're like yeah let's just chat it up <laughs> yeah I mean I don't the verified thing I understand it about as well as you do I don't know why I got that yeah <laughs> it just kind of happens you know there's people that are much much more out in the media than me that have applied and got denied so yeah I can't explain that love it so go ahead like Give details, Dano, who you are, everything. Let's start there. All right. I'll try to turn a long, boring story into a short, um, slightly less boring story. Love it. All right. So I've been on the, the app for a long time. And that's one thing I feel like a lot of people in the toy scene don't realize about me is that I've been on the app doing other things, building a following for other bullshit for years. So first it was um, Nintendo. My, I collect old Nintendo stuff. And so I built this collection up and I never had anyone to share it with here locally, you know, my wife, and none of my friends and nobody really gave a shit about it. And then when Instagram popped up or when I first got on it about 10 years ago, maybe I, uh, I found other Nintendo collectors and then we formed this weird little like community where we were trading and hooking each other up and all this stuff. And then um, as my collection grew, my following grew and I got a bunch of collecting people you know and then I decided to try to start selling my art to these people and I started making like t-shirt designs and um, it didn't do much but it did enough like beer money type stuff yeah and it was pretty cool I mean I was still really tight with all these guys and the, the community or whatever you want to call it had grown bigger and bigger so there's all kinds of people who kind of knew who I was in that little group and so I'd make a shirt and sell it then I entered the patch game and that's when I met well that and when I started selling patches I started actually making kind of I wouldn't say like livable money but money that was more than just a 12 pack a week you know yeah and uh and that's when I met Dan Polydorus which is like where my life yeah my life changed so um and he had uh we had followed each other for a while and that's death by toys for anyone listening who doesn't know but uh, we had followed each other for a while Back then, he was called Chicago Toy Hunter, mm. and uh, he had already been really, he had made these Ninja Turtle slasher toys that are um, 
were like on Tumblr. This was a long time ago, but they were, I had seen them on the internet and I thought like, oh shit, I know that guy, you know, he made yeah. those. And uh, I just thought that was so cool, but even, but I wasn't that into those toys in particular, but I just thought that's so cool that he made something that's just out there like that. And uh, the weird thing is he didn't really focus on, on making toys back then. Like he did, he had these super viral. I mean, I don't know. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. But he barely ever made toys. He just collected. Anyways, fast forward to Dan reaches out to me. He had bought some patches. He was like a customer first and he bought some of my patches. And uh, then he reached out and said he had made some toys that he thought I would dig because they were Nintendo related. Okay. And he offered to send me one for free because back then Death by Toys wasn't who he is now. And he could send a toy. I mean, it wasn't valuable back then. They were not yeah. shit, you know? And so he sent me an Excite Bike toy and I was just obsessed. And I was like, and he was so generous with the knowledge, but he's like, yeah, I'm doing a whole run. I, I think what he was hoping was I was going to, uh, it wasn't a run. I guess that wouldn't be the right word for it. It was the original NES black box games like Excite Bike and Gumshoe and- uh, Pitfall, right? Yeah, Pitfall and yeah. I, I, no, Pitfall's at Atari, but he did do oh. it. But anyways, it's a series that, retro game collectors like myself are passionate about this little sub series within the series. And so he did that. And I was just like, I want them all. I'll buy them all, you know? And I was broke as shit. I didn't have no money, but um, he sold them to me, I think for like 30 bucks a piece. And I bought every single one. And then as soon as I got them, I was just like, this is insane. These are the coolest thing. I'm not a toy guy. I'm still not a toy guy. Yeah. Um, but I was like, this is like, I have the coolest thing in my collection now that nobody else has. And I started posting pictures of them and people were like loving them. And, and then I just started bugging Dan, like, what's next, man? Like, what are you going to make? Like, I, you know, I, I will find the money. I need you to make more stuff. And I wasn't his priority. Yeah. So I started making stuff. And, and I guess that's the, kind of the long version, short version, really, of how I got into it. And then he started kind of walking me through my first, my first few, my first dozen or so probably. Cause I was only making them for myself. Yeah. So, okay. Did you collect, so you made them only for yourself. Do you have all those? Like I have so many questions for you. I have so many things I want to talk to you about. So yeah, you got, you're going to have to cut in too. Cause I'm a rambler. It's oh, good. Like a nature, like my natural state is to just start going. I love that. So you, you created these for your own and it's dope. And you start this uh, process of, we're kind of like a lot of us like, oh, maybe you can really, it's like, oh, I can do that. And so you just start creating yeah. and. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you kind of uh, talk about that epiphany that you, that so many people have on your podcast a lot. I had the same thing where I was just like, I can do this, you know? Yeah. And Which I've is... always been a creative kind of an artist, but I never thought to do anything like that until I saw Dan do it. Yeah. Which I like, I love when people start there because it like fuels this community. Like it just grows so rapidly. So that first figure, what was that first figure? The first one I did was Little Mac from uh, Nintendo. All, all the first ones I did were NES Nintendo related. Cause like I said, they were all for me. I had one goal and the goal was to cover my wall in my game room in one of a kind Nintendo figures, whether they be from Dan myself or if I could find anyone else and I have since I have bought off of uh, recal toys and retro gimmick I bought off if somebody makes something Nintendo related that is even just a little bit of quality I'll buy it <laughs> but yeah so that was the plan I was just going to cover my wall and in all those and nobody else was making them and Dan was not 
like I said, putting me at top of his list, like I, I wanted him to. Yeah. So I just started making shit. I made punch out ones and, and they were pretty nasty, but they were good enough for me. Yeah. And I started hanging them on my wall. And I think a big part of my success, quote unquote, comes from the fact that for so long I refused to sell. Like every, so many people get into it and they get so excited to sell stuff. Yeah. But I was genuinely excited to make it for myself and, and to see what it was going to end up being when my shed was done. My collection has been my passion for so many years that I was like, this is the crowning jewel. This is what's going to, I'm two games away from having every NES game. So I want those. And then I want my walls covered in these custom figures and that, and I was like, that's it. That's how I'm going to finish this out. And so it just became my obsession. And where I went wrong was I was just so fucking poor that when the offers got high enough, I just couldn't say no. And then, or I guess you could say where I went right, because that's when my life changed again, when I was like, oh shit, I could actually make real money. Yeah. I mean, which is like what a, dope spot to be in where the offers get so high that you're like okay okay you can have it yeah i mean so high back then was not what so high is to to maybe you or me now but i'll tell you one specific number was 125 dollars, which is not life-changing but you got to understand that i have you know a family of five here and I, I worked at a warehouse where i was barely getting by forever so somebody offered me 125 dollars for something that i made in my kitchen and that guy was a, uh, a real toy hunter, Steve Braun, a major toy collector. So that was a big ego boost too. Like, oh shit! Like a real collector wants something I made. He bought my yeah. paper boy. my paperboy was my my favorite toy of my own. So letting go of my favorite was kind of just like, well, I guess fuck it now. And that's when I started selling them. And it, at first, I was putting prices on them. I was like, uh, sixty bucks, and then they would sell right away. But I'd always get at least a little bit of hate of like, "Oh, this fucking asshole thinks that's worth sixty And I didn't really, because I'm thinking Dan sold me his for thirty back then. They're not better than Dan's. Yeah, but people are gonna pay me. I'm taking it. And then it got to the point where my wife was like, "They're selling." Like pretty much as soon as you post, either raise the prices or or explore the auction avenue. Mm-hmm. And that's when the auction started. Yeah. And they, so that first figure, you make it, you sit down, like walk me through that process. I, I, I know the, the fear that was in me when I was making my first one. Well, I guess for me, the first one, a big part of why I wasn't scary was because I only use GI Joe parts, which if you know anything about GI Joe, you can just unscrew and, and interchange yeah. parts. And if it looks like shit, take them off and try some other parts. Yeah. So little Mac was all done on GI Joe. And before I even started, somehow I thought this was like clever, but it actually just a major waste of time. I photoshopped all the, I went on eBay and, you know, like screenshot the parts that I thought that I would want. Cause it's not like I had a surplus of parts like I do now. I'm not yeah. a toy. So I, I screenshot all this shit and I photoshopped it together and I built a figure on, on Photoshop and then I ordered those parts and it was pretty risk-free. The, the paint job looked like it was done with mashed potatoes. I don't know how I did so bad, <laughs> But the the figure itself was solid. I mean, it was it was a safe bet. And again, when you when you're doing it for yourself, and you know you're doing, a lot of people will be like, "I just do what I like and I do what I'm passionate about." But back then, it was more than that for me because I was literally only doing it for myself, turning down money because I wanted them so badly for myself. Yeah. So, so like, you only have to please yourself. I was way more experimental back then. I was doing a lot of like 
kind of crazy shit using like trash to to build parts i mean like i still do sometimes but i was a lot more out there back then because i wasn't ever thinking about selling yeah so you you get those first payments and then you start this process and at what point did you realize this is viable oh there's been there was a couple big moments and, and one big one was one of my first auctions things moved fast for me um which was nice and and has a downside too there's a little yeah. bit of, there's a little bit of an edge to that that i think people don't realize but um one of the first big things was john gibson he owns a, a gallery out in uh, los angeles called i am 8-bit he won one of my auctions on ebay i am 8-bit is very well known in the retro game community which is what again i was passionate about back then i still am but much more back then so when I saw I am 8-bit on the eBay, you know, the buyer's name, I got fucking excited, man, because I was like, this is an art gallery that just purchased my art. At that point, I wasn't really even thinking of it like art. I'm there with my wall decorations, you know? Yeah. Um, which, what's the difference now? I don't know. But back then, I just wasn't giving myself any credit, I guess. And uh, <clears throat> so I saw I am 8-bit on there. I got fucking excited. And I messaged him on eBay. And I was like, hey, man, um, I'm, I'm familiar with your gallery if there's ever anything that I can take part in. And, and by that, I just meant one piece. I just wanted to get a piece on a wall in a gallery. And that was when it entered my head. That's my new goal. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. um, if there's ever any show I can take part in, please just you know hit me up and I, I'd be happy to participate. And he said, oh yeah, of course. And he, and he didn't for a long time, but that became my goal then. And then in the meantime, Clutter reached out. Yeah. And I got to do my first in action figure show and my piece sold and it wasn't, a, I don't remember what it was. Oh, Kid Icarus. It wasn't a very strong piece, but, um, but I sold at a gallery, but it was in New York. So I, you know, I couldn't travel. So I didn't get to, I was, my standard kind of raised a little. I was like, ah, you know what? I don't want it just in a gallery. I want it in a gallery where I can stand next to it. And, you know, my kids can take a picture with it. And that yeah. it, you know, and, um, so, I mean, of course, I was still thankful to Clutter and still happy to be part of that. But I was like, fuck, I really want to be somewhere where I can go. And nothing was really happening for me. But I was still selling pretty consistent on eBay for like, you know, a couple hundred a piece, which was amazing in my mind, still is. And um, then finally, John reached out and he said, hey, will you do a solo show? And this was like not even anything that I had considered. And he yeah. said 50 pieces. Oh. Yeah, 50 pieces in, in three months, I think he said. And I said, no, I just can't. I, I mean, that sounds so exciting, but it's just not possible for me, you know? And then um, he said, okay, well, what about if I give you six months? And I was like, oh, I really want this. I really, really want it. And I was like, I don't know. And he said, nine months. And I said, yeah. So okay. he gave me nine months. I made, I ended up falling short. I made 46 pieces. And then I had a show that did really well. I, I sold 43 of them. And um, also in the meantime, while I was building for that show, I went back to not selling to the public again, which I think kind of, I, I don't know, you know, most of the shit wasn't planned. It's just the way it worked out. But I think kind of also drove the interest up again, because once again, Dano wouldn't sell shit again, mm -hmm. you know? And so, I was still posting work because I was working my ass off making so I had so many ideas and so many things, but I wouldn't take any offer at all because I was so stressed out about that art show that I was like, I can't spare one piece, you know, I'll live poor until the art show. And so I, uh, 
So I really focused on the art show for a long time. And in the meantime, this is a thing that I don't know if you know this about me, but a lot of people found me through was the yodel boy. His name is Mason Ramsey, a little boy that yodeled in Walmart. Okay. This was my first, uh, one of my few flirtations with the meme world, because at mm -hmm. that time he was an internet sensation. You know, he, he yodeled in the middle of a Walmart and it was just that right combination of cute and weird that went viral. And I told my buddy at the warehouse I worked at that I was going to make a figure of him. And, and I said, watch this shit's about to make me famous. And I, I mean, it was the worst figure, dude. I mean, I'm sorry if the, whoever bought it listens to this, but it was <laughs> so rushed and the packaging design was pure shit. Yeah. And I put a cowboy hat on him, which he didn't even wear a cowboy hat. I'm not really sure why I wasted that, but it was not good, but I posted it. And this was, like I said, in between the time when I got the show and I had the show. So I already had, uh, kind of a lot of interest going and then this happened and I went to lunch with my wife on her lunch break and left my phone in the car because she makes me and then when <laughs> I came out the fucking yodel boy toy was on world star the chive I had like 20 emails I did interviews about it it was like insane dude and then the next day I was at work and it was going even harder I was in the warehouse and I have I suffer from I talk about this pretty openly but pretty serious anxiety and uh i was at the warehouse and my phone was just strobe lighting and this was like yeah. the first time that i started to <laughs> the first really cool thing that happened to me and also the first time that i realized that there was going to be kind of a dark side to this for me because i started really fucking freaking out at that point because then my my following doubled like over the course of a week or something yeah. i already had this art show on the horizon everything changed at that point to it became kind of my life, actually, yeah. my life. <laughs> so are you a full-time toy maker and video game collector? <laughs> well, video game collecting is slowed down. Toy making is not slowed down at all. But um, I quit my job at the warehouse a few weeks ago, but I honestly hadn't worked or collected any kind of money from them in almost a year since COVID. They kind of were unwilling to work with me the way I needed them to for the daycare for my, my youngest daughter, Nora. So I didn't have anyone to watch her. And so I kind of went on this forced leave of absence, which was kind of scary at first, but I already, I mean, I already have been treating this toy thing like an actual real full-time job at that point for a couple of years. Yeah. So I just put all my focus onto that, onto the toy thing and I made it through just fine. But to answer your question now, what I'm doing is uh, I'm a substitute custodian at my daughter Nora's school which is like kind of perfect for what I I need I have my foot in the door at the school district for whenever people wise up and stop buying my art yeah uh, and I have the time to make my art right now I have more time than I did at the full-time warehouse gig yeah which is rat like to have that moment so that you're you're describing so like I don't I don't have anxiety or panic attacks but everything that you're describing makes me want like it feels like I have those things because like <laughs> having an art gallery say oh I need 50 pieces and just barely extending that date by three months at a time and then still like that's a, a that's a shit ton of work and then dealing with the fact that like oh like one of my toys blew up when yeah, super nothing... fun super fun for the first few hours I'll tell you yeah that. and then after that 
first few hours and then days go by and you're like okay it's a toy people it's a toy yeah i mean it really got to be kind of and i'm an obsessive person that has a hard time not checking my phone all the time anyways and i was like yeah. i'll just put my phone down i'm like when i came home from that day at work i mean i've been with my wife now for 22 years we've been mm -hmm. since we were 15 and, oh wow uh, so she knows me you know and when i came home before i could even say anything she was like just go to bed like just you can go lay down because she knew i was going to be fucked you know like i had had way too much attention that day and little did i know that was the beginning of w what things were going to be like although not that things have been like that all the time and yeah. not even close but i the attention that came from that never fully went away which is good for my art career but a little rough yeah. on my anxiety i guess yeah. And so, and you do things so that wave starts, right? So you're on that wave. Does that wave kind of stay at a consistent pace? Like, would you say that your art career... We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Earth 2 Aliens have landed. Earthling. I want lowbrow art and bootleg toys. toys, 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 toys. Well, you come to the right place. Earth to Kentucky is a shop for folks who love vintage sci-fi, lowbrow, and art bootleg toys. Toys, toys, toys. They're located over there at 836 Main Street, Covington, Kentucky. Toys, toys, toys. They carry original art, vintage action figures, designer bootleg toys and toys, 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 and t-shirts, designed exclusively for their store by some of their favorite artists. Thank you, Earthling. I enjoy Earth to Kentucky. I have all my favorite bootleg art toys. toys. Hey, look at that over there. It's a spaceship. Yeah. I need to go now. Someone's filming me in my spaceship. Shop now. www.earthtokentucky.com. That's earth2kentucky.com. Or just land your spaceship when they're open. As far as a toy maker has stayed on this consistent, like, up tick? I, would, I definitely would not say consistent. It has more moved up than down. There's definitely been dips. Right now, specifically, I feel like I'm in the... I mean, I have an auction that I posted and it's doing financially, it's doing fine. Mm -hmm. um, and my last few have done fine. They're, I mean, good, actually. I, I feel so jaded saying fine. They're, they're doing <laughs> perfect. But I'm not super proud of the work. Okay. Um, and I, I am hesitant to say that because I don't want my customers to hear this and be like, oh, shit, I got the one he's not proud of, you know? Yeah. Um, but when I did switch my mindset, this is a big thing that happened for me too, is I had this, this little kind of rebellious mindset where I was like, I already have a fucking job. I hate, this is not going to be my job. You know, this is my hobby. And even though I was making much, much more money than I ever thought I could, I still tried to keep that attitude, turning down a lot of jobs, turning down tons of commissions, you know, and um, only putting out what I considered my best work, which, which most artists would tell you, that's what you should you should do, you know? Yeah. And I would, I wouldn't argue with them, but for me at one point I realized I'm so stressed out, you know, I'm so depressed, you know, so sad from, from just all my time going into this um, and having a full-time job and all this, and, and then still trying to, in my mind, keep this as a hobby. I said, I got to try something different. So what I switched to was now this is my job and the warehouse is my side job. It was still full time because they don't fucking give me the choice. Yeah. But in my mind, I said, that's not my priority anymore. Toys and art is my priority. And it, and it helped a lot. And then at that point, I just put so much focus into that. My work got better. I started making more money. But then I started suffering in other ways, obviously, because I was neglecting a full time job that, that, that um, didn't really isn't the type of job you can neglect, you know, it's a real yeah. black and white, uh, no 
no gray area at that job. Yeah. And I mean, if, especially if you make that switch, I, I haven't made that switch. Like I work full time and stuff, but like my brain's always running with toy ideas and stuff. So I can't imagine if you've already disregarded the full-time job, man, your brain's not there at all. Here's another thing that really made it kind of crazy for me was I got that, I got an interview on, on vice news and mm -hmm. it came out and everyone at my work saw it. I live in a small town and, um, and the, the interview was cool. It was such a blessing. It was amazing. Super, super cool. Um, but they build it as like warehouse worker makes more money on art than he does at his job. And then I got to oh. go back to work, you know, and, and be around all these people. And I felt weird about it. You know, like I felt like that it, basically what happened and I, I hate talking about this so negative because so many cool things have happened to me. But what happened was all of a sudden there was so much pressure. People at my work didn't even know I did art. They didn't know I had an Instagram account. They didn't even know I collected Nintendo. And then next, you know, it's like warehouse, like everyone's like, why are you still here? You know? Even my mom, I used to yeah. work there. I'm like, I have three kids and I've only been successful at art for like one month. You yeah. know, like, but people really, in their efforts to encourage me to chase this, this wildness that was happening, they were mixing me up real bad, you know, including people I care about, like my mom and stuff being like, you're unhappy at that job. You're a famous artist. Yeah. Quit, you know, and I'm like, my, come on. I got like one viral toy. I can't, that's crazy, you know? But it, but it did definitely poison my brain and then made it to where I was just like, I cannot fucking stand working a real job anymore. Yeah. I, so you made that toy. And so you were on Vice. Like I saw that one. I saw a 60 second doc one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, am I missing? Is there another one after? I thought I saw I mean, a I clip did, from another I did one. one with Sucklord um, for sci-fi, but I never promoted it because I just didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like the way they, I didn't like the way I came out um that was i think maybe the only other video one but okay. i've done a lot of like just like uh in mag or online type stuff oh i did forbes but that was no video i mean that was all in, the, in a short time though so that was that's when things really blew up okay so walking back like way back to your <laughs> question about being consistent no it hasn't been consistent i have these moments like forbes or vice that just jump up and then i just have nothing for a long time where i just switch to job mode and say, okay, get work for yourself, do work, whether yeah. it's an auction or complete one of these. I do, I, I'm super lucky to also get some like kind of corporate work where I get to work for brands now and stuff. So that kind of stuff. If I don't have that kind of work, I try to uh, build my portfolio. I mean, try to, I have all these pictures that my wife's taken. Yeah. And I want to be like, okay, what would a real artist do with all these pictures, you know? And I'm like, I should put them in one place and organize them. So like, if I have downtime, I try to work on that. If you treat it like a job, like I, you know, I like I wake up at five in the morning, no matter what's going on, if if not earlier, and uh, get to work on stuff. You will find stuff to do, and and even if you're not feeling creative, you will still create. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's I try to do that. Um, and then there's occasionally there's things that'll throw me out of that like rhythm. And it's like my whole day is messed up because that one rhythm thing got knocked out. And it's like, well, damn it. So oh, me too. Me too. It's easy to get thrown off. That's why I like early mornings. I honestly, yeah. before anyone wakes up is when I get the most done. And you, so what's crazy, you said that all of those came at the same time, Vice, 62nd, Forbes. Within the same year, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a close time frame within the same, yeah. like, yeah, damn. Okay, so you're just exploding just because right there. Boom. 
Love that. Yeah, it just happened, it happened real quick. There was other things too, and it's hard to really like trace the full domino effect, but there was this other thing where I did these, uh, there's this podcast called Yeah, But Still. Mm-hmm. And I did some for those guys, but I didn't know at the time that their podcast was about to blow up, you know, and I did them for super cheap. I think, uh, I don't even want to say how cheap I did them, but yeah. um, I was just happy to have work, you know, and when they posted them, that was one of the times that my phone blew up the most. And that's how Vice found me. So there's all, it's hard to like say what came first in all this, like Yodel Boy, the art gallery thing, but all this stuff kind of happened around the same time. And then some of the, bigger name like celebrity type people they found me through the art show because it was like it's in an area of LA which I never go to where people hang out and walk through and stuff and and I guess people would just pop in there and find my name and find me the old-fashioned way like that yeah which I love so you did something not that long ago that I really want to talk about um and if you're up to talking about it because I might give some of the stuff away uh you made the naked Mario figure Oh yeah. yeah. And I usually I'll go through my feed and I'll see toys and I'll like posts and do all that. But when I get sent a post by like 12 different people and then I see (laughs) other communities posting this same thing and then on Reddit in like an arcade uh, subreddit, I'm also seeing, I'm like, okay, hold on. I know who this guy is. Like stop sending me all this shit. So let's, what the hell happened? <laughs> like you planned it so perfectly. You know, I'm going to just toot my own horn on this one. Cause do I, it. <laughs> I was really, really, and still am really stoked about how that played out. Cause um, like I said, there's a lot of pressure involved in all this art stuff. And it's nice when you can think of an idea that you don't, you don't have to worry about how much it sells for. You don't have to worry about um, what people think of it. Really. It's just something that's to make people laugh. So the idea was, as I said before, I collect Nintendo. And as I've gotten further into collecting Nintendo, it's gotten harder and harder to find all the licensed cool shit that I need. Either I already have it or it's I don't have it because it's thousands of dollars. So, mm-hmm. so I started kind of veering, especially since I got into bootleg toys, I started going that way with my Nintendo collection. And I started buying some really weird, fucked up looking Mario stuff. And it started to get me more excited than the official stuff. Like the mm-hmm. worse he looked, the better it was to my collection. You know? <laughs> and so then I got the idea like, well, maybe I could just Google, like I forget what I typed in, but like worst Mario or, or something crazy like that. Weirdest Mario's. And I found some sort of random Buzzfeed style article about all these rejected Mario looks, all these crazy different versions of them. And, um, I saw my buddy, I, I, my buddy, that's a total stretch, but an artist I follow named Dave Bondi. And he, uh, he does stuff. He does a lot of sculpting for people and he's involved with galleries 88 and he's involved with a lot of stuff. He's a talented guy. And he, um, one of his toys was in there and it was, it was like a Mickey mouse Mario mashup. It was actually really cool. There was nothing to not like about it, but just the idea that he had some, I'm sure he, I never even told him. He probably doesn't even know it's in that article, you know, but, um, the idea that it was in there in this weird article just got me like, oh, that's so cool, you know? Like, it's just out there. His art's just out there in this weird way, you know? And yeah. there's so many other weird things in there. And I was like, I want to do that, you know? Like, how can I get something that I make, you know? But I definitely want it to be funny. How can I get something funny out there and just have it just out in the world without me attached to it, you know? 
and I just knew like the, the thing would have to be Nintendo related because I mm-hmm. still to this day like a huge portion of my following are could give a fuck about the toys I make. They they like Nintendo stuff. So I knew that they I, I would have that. And then I started thinking I actually have some kind of trusted people that I have my buddy Chris, he goes by a CWR2, who's huge in the gaming community. And I told him, hey, like, you know, spread this around and tell people you found it. And then I told my buddy, uh, CB's Retro Tease is his name, uh, but he's a, a vintage Nintendo clothing, gaming clothing collector in Sweden. I said, hey, man, I'm putting this out and it's, uh, I'm saying it's like a Sweden exclusive. So just if anyone asks. And then I put it out and then I put in the comment section, which, you know, how Instagram kind of puts when you comment on your own shit, kind of puts it at the top. Yeah. And I just put like my plan, like, okay, I want people to share this. I don't want any credit. I just want people to share it. And then, so it did. And by the next day it was like huge on Reddit. And I mean, there was some people getting like mad that I wasn't getting credit. And then some people getting mad at the people who were trying to credit me. And I, I mean, it just kind of went and did its own thing. And now it's just out there. I mean, it's in my, it's in my room right now. Yeah, well, because you, I remember sending you a message because I had seen all these things and I wanted to ask about it. And you had told me that there were people that were claiming it was theirs. Yeah, yeah. That is so... People made memes out of it. Actually, I don't even, we didn't even say what it was, but it's Mario with his dick hanging out. Yeah. (laughs) Little tiny, little tiny wiener on there. And I love that it was a Swedish exclusive. Yeah, and for some reason, I mean, I know nothing about sweden but for some reason a lot of people just accepted that just at that face value they said oh okay right. oh yeah, yeah really bought it you know really true i'm sure a lot of people just spread it around because it was funny but i definitely have a lot of screenshots of people who genuinely believe it's real now and that's good enough for me yeah i i did um one of the messages i'll have to see if i can find it when it did come out someone had sent it to me and been like hey try to get your hands on one <laughs> and I had already seen you talk about it and I was like, not happening. <laughs> like I know the guy, like this is not a thing. So that's rad. So you, you played, it's almost like you played the market before the market could play anything else. It was kind of, I took big inspiration from obvious plant. Who's actually like a real life friend of mine. Yeah. And, uh, he's the king of doing that shit. But I just kind of took that article that I saw with Dave's art in it. And then, uh, obvious plants techniques and just kind of put it out there and I mean but and then a lot of the comments are like I'm looking for obvious plants logo I mean that's like his world you know yeah but um, I was happy to just dabble in it for a day which is badass and I I uh, not that long ago I don't know I'll have to think about who made it but it was a piece that had to have been inspired by that it was the incredible hulk with his dick hanging out oh yeah I know that's a woolly goat and I don't I don't remember who the actual toy maker is but the illustrator is a guy I follow woolly goat who does great work yeah I, I love that one I saw that shit and I was like no way they've got to know each other they yeah. <laughs> I, I doubt he took the inspiration for me I mean suck lord's been putting dicks on figures before I even picked a toy up so yeah <laughs> That's a, that's a good way to describe his work. The guy that puts dicks on figures. Uh, so what I'm, I'm interested in all of this stuff, but I am also interested in the fact that you have almost every NES cartridge game. Yeah, almost. I'm missing two of the officially licensed, like gray cartridges. There's some other weird, like um, almost bootleg third-party stuff. And if you count those, I'm missing about nine total. Okay. So I, I want to, let's, can we divert a little bit and talk about that? Yeah, sure. Like you started collecting these at some point, which I don't know how old you're, I'm only 30. So it's like when I was born 
I think by the time I was four, it was like fading out into Super Nintendo. So I barely got it. Super Nintendo, I think, came in in 93. I was born in 82. Okay. So any, so I'm, I just turned 39 a couple of weeks ago. So I have a, most of my memories are attached to NES. And it's just, I've always gone to thrift stores. This is another long story that I'll try to make short. But. No, no, no shortening. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Since I, I mean, I come from a big family. We have seven kids, single mother. Yeah. So we always went to thrift stores out of necessity, but it was never a bad thing. Cause I also, because of my age grew up at the time, like when I hit junior high, the biggest things were like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and going thrifting yeah. was, was in vogue anyways. It wasn't like I was look, I mean, I, I probably looked like total shit, but so did most people. You know? <laughs> so I, I was always into it even before then. And then as I grew up, it, I'm even once I started having a job and my own money, I still always thrifted stuff. Yeah. And it was always records and toys. And I mean, not, I never focused on anything, just anything old that kind of looked cool. Definitely bordering on hoarder behavior. Yeah. And then my wife kind of straightened me out when we got married and she's like, We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Bootleg Bonanza! Hey, check out what I just got. Oh my gosh, what is this stuff? These are bootleg art toys. What? Where do you find bootleg art toys? I find bootleg art toys at Bootleg Bonanza. Bootleg Bonanza! An alternative toy store that specializes in bootleg art toys, resin, and vinyl. Oh my gosh, this one's weird. Actually, they specialize in weird. Not only do they buy and sell and trade designer toys, they produce them in their fully equipped studio. Bootleg Bonanza! Where is this at again? Bootleg Bonanza, it's at 200 East High Street, Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Or you can head there online at www.bootlegbonanza.com. I don't know. Whose money did you spend on this? You didn't spend our money on this weird stuff, did ya? Um. I mean, what is this thing? Uh. Head there now, www.bootlegbonanza.com, and spend all your money. Bootleg Bonanza! Onion I'm proud. You need to just, like, refine it and focus on something. So I zeroed in, and at this point, I had one kid. So my daughter, I, I, yeah, I had a kid already. And I, um zeroed in on uh, just Nintendo and records. I still collect records. I just don't share them much. And um, and then I just really put, it, it became an obsession for me really because what also happened at the same time in my life is my job started random drug testing, which means no more smoking weed for me, mm. which meant my social, my social life ended like within a matter of moments. Cause from the time I was, I don't want to, my kids might listen to this, but time I was really young, <laughs> way too young. All the way up until that point, I was an everyday. It was beyond. It wasn't just a passing habit. You know, it was my lifestyle. It was. It was completely what I was involved in. I still fully support marijuana, but um, when I was forced to quit, um, you know, I still hung around my friends a little bit, but basically, it just kind of faded out, and I ended up just kind of in kind of a lonely place, and I was just kind of bored all the time, and. So I just kept going to thrift stores more and more and started focusing on the collection. And then fast forward a couple years into that, I get on Instagram and I learn what a hashtag is and I hashtag NES and I meet this guy, Dan, who Bowser is king. We're still good friends this day. He's a trash man in New Jersey. And we've been talking ever since. And him and a couple other guys, Jerry and Wayne and Wally, we all still talk. And it's just a random little group of guys. And we started trading games and building each other's collection and looking out for each other. And that was my first experience with online uh, friends. Yeah. Which is rad. So and, you... and that grew my collection super fast too. I mean, that's when I also learned how networking and stuff like that works. I mean, you can find only so much shit at your local thrift store, but once you 
connect with a guy in New Jersey, a guy in Louisiana, and a guy in Florida, your chances just really blew up as long as they're good people, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm new to, like, I, I don't even own a video game system now. Like, the last one I think I owned was an N64. Like, I haven't owned one in a long time. Um, but when you first got into it, how many games are there to collect? 756. Holy shit. And so you started collecting... And then you also collected, I'm assuming, like, all the parts, right? Like, the guns. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all the stuff. To be honest, at first, it was, like I said, I had to be reeled way in. But at first, it was NES, Super Nintendo, 64, all the guns, all the controllers. 64 had multiple different colors of consoles, and I was trying to get them all. And it was it was pretty insane. And, and I was poor the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> I was never, ever rich, you know? Like, so it was pretty stupid and my wife had to like, but I've been like that since I was as far back as I can remember since I was a little boy. I mean, even as a teenager, I remember, <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm not embarrassed of this, but I would waste so much, all of my money at the quarter machines trying to get the little homie toys that I didn't already have. Yep. And I, when I finally gave up on that dream, I was at like 70 individual homies, you know, and yep. I was, nobody cared about them. Nobody was like, damn, this is so sick. Dano. Nobody, there was nothing. There was just me just wasting money, but I've always been like that. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause now there's a artist called Barrio Boba and he, uh, Oh like, no, I have seen him. I heard it from, from your podcast. He makes the little homies. Those are so cool. Yeah. I've bought in both waves. Cause it's like, it's just rad as shit to see that because it brings back nostalgia, but so, okay. So there's like 700 games, uh, all the, like the guns, all this stuff. So you start collecting, and I've seen your collection. You posted about it. The wall looks clean as hell. Like somehow you got those like perfectly like. I spent a long time on all this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and so like as you're collecting, was there a time in that collection where you thought one of two things? One, I think I can collect all of them. Two, I think I'm in over my head. Like one of those two things. Both of those things, many times, many times. I mean, this is only since this art stuff worked out for me, have I ever ditched the notion of selling because okay. it was always in the back of my head. Like, And that was another really kind of bringing it back to Instagram and, and networking, like a big epiphany, a big realization for me was because times were so tough around here that when things did get really bad, that all of a sudden I was plugged into a worldwide group of people where I could, and I did many times when I was hurting, just throw up one of my games or throw up a console, which I should have never had because I was too poor to be collecting like that anyways. Mm -hmm. But I would throw it up and be like, hey, like um, just trying to sell fast to somebody give me 50 bucks for this. And it would sell. I mean, that was a tool that I never had access to before. And um, that's once art started creeping in, that's, I remembered that, you know, I said, oh shit, I got an, an audience already, you know, they don't know that I'm an artist, but they, they follow me and they know what I'm into They're into I know what they're into. Yeah. I yeah, also had one other kind of weird thing that happened in the beginning. It was let's good. Hear it. it was good, but bad for good and bad. I won this contest for, um, Hot Topic for Car Cartoon Network, really, for the cartoon uh, adventure time. I did this design, and it went on a shirt, and it went in Hot Topics. And up until that point, I had had no success. Not, I mean, like, zero success or attention or love or anything on any piece of art I had ever shown to anyone. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I won this thing, and it was in stores. And they gave me 500 bucks, which, in hindsight, is kind of laughable considering. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
but I, I at that time was literally like felt life-changing to me I, I literally cried mm-hmm. and um I was so excited I got all these followers and then I was like okay, well now I'm an artist, you know, and then nobody fucking bought nothing forever and nobody liked anything I was doing. And it was just like, it was, it was almost the opposite. Like it's, I've heard it before. It's kind of a cliche, but when you don't have any success, it's so much easier. But once I had that first little, I mean, huge, yep. big success in the middle of nowhere, it fucked me up. Cause then I was like, God damn, man, what happened? You know, I, I won that contest. Like I thought I was good, you know? And then, um, yeah, nothing for a long time until the patches. But that was another one of those going back to, has this shit been consistent? No, not at all. Yeah. You didn't, I feel like the way to describe that is like, you didn't know how thirsty you were until you had that drop of water. Ah, all of a sudden it was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you can't let anyone down when nobody gives a shit about your work also. So that's yeah. kind of freeing when you're, when nobody, when you never have a success, then nothing really feels like failure. It just feels like you're just doing shit. Yeah. So to finish up with the games, cause I have more toy questions oh, for you. Yeah. Um, but the, the games, so you, you said you're about nine under, right? Two licensed, about seven non-licensed. It might be a little more. I think actually I'm missing eight unlicensed and two licensed. So that's 11. I'm missing 11 games. I think. Great. Yeah. But those unlike, there's also some gray area there. Cause some people consider these ones count and some people don't consider these ones. That's why I really yeah. always say two. Cause I really, most people, when they think of NES, they think of those gray cartridges, and those are the licensed ones Yeah, you could buy on a shelf at a store. So realistically, this is doable, like with, with a couple grand, but this is doable. It is. Yes, it is. And I have set that goal many times that the, and achieved that goal through different means, sometimes through art, sometimes through other things, and, and set aside the money to make the purchase. And then I just was like, I can't do it. I can't yeah. stop. I can't spend a thousand on a game. Even if it's the last game I need, I just can't get myself to do it. It just sounds like you need to go fund me. (laughs) No, no, no. I just need to let that dream go. Probably. I I kept thinking it was going to die. I've kind of been out of touch with the the scene for a while. And um, every once in a while, I'll just check back in and think, Oh, prices probably dropped. Like it's probably not so crazy now. And they just keep going up, which I guess is good for when I do decide to sell, but I'm not really thinking that way right now. Yeah, I you know the NES. Um, so I come from the mural world and like painting, and I'm not a talented painter. Okay. You said you painted, and it looked like you painted with mashed potatoes. Uh-huh. That's how I started painting walls, and yet people were like, "Oh, come paint our wall," and it, in the back of my head, it was like, "You have no idea what the fuck you're into. Like, yeah. like this is gonna be so awful for you." But I did, and. Uh, one of my favorite walls was this axe throwing place uh, in San Diego. Uh, they're arcade themed. So I got to paint a mural that was only arcade characters. Wow, and um, I love that stuff. Man. Yeah. Like, I, and I didn't grow up with it as much, but it was just such a rad idea to do that kind of stuff and um, be able to paint there and do that. And then uh, do uh, like drawings and designs of like, uh, I don't know what you call them, like bisections. So it's like half of Kirby and then just Kirby's bones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the gummy fetus type yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so like drawing that kind of stuff was rad. And um, But yeah, I, it's so rad to see that someone like is so into video games like this, but a very specific niche video game. The, the thing is like that, and this pisses a lot of people off, but as I'm not a gamer at all I, oh. I i rarely ever play i play about three of those games and the main one i play is this baseball game that i played with my brother since i was eight yep i'm a collector i'm a 
I'm a recovering hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, I'm also very passionate about the look of old Nintendo. It's super inspiring to me. Like yeah. um, the, the games themselves, all the designs, all the weird merchandise that they put out, all the shitty merchandise. That's the stuff that I draw most of my inspiration from. Mm. So, okay. Last video game question then. When you watch the artist Steve Casino do his thing, mm-hmm. what's that feeling? Steve <laughs> <laughs> so and I are actually friends. We we had a show together, me and him. And Rad. Uh, he is a uh, just incredibly talented. I'm not a huge fan of those. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, I make jokes with Steve about it, but like low key, deep down inside, the thing is, I like the sculptures, but just can't watch him break them like that and i don't give a fuck what people do with their own stuff ever but i'm just like ah. and i know the whole reason he does it and it's so successful is it's a major engagement every time he does yep. those just look at the comments dude he's a genius and then when he um, posts the comments and the oh the clapbacks oh, are so funny i mean the guy is so smart in, in so many ways because okay already he's clearly extremely gifted but he does that. He figures out that that pisses people off. Now me with my anxiety, I'm mm-hmm. like, I will never fucking make one of those again. You know, like I will never do that or I won't share it. He go, he leans into it and, and realizes, look at the fucking attention I'm getting. He's still selling them. It's not stopping. It's not hurting his prices at all. It gets him a ton of attention. Then he posts the comments and there's just clowns, everybody, which he's got a great witty sense of humor. And then he gets recycled attention. You know, everyone's back talking about yeah. it again. And he's so smart, man. And and he is so talented. I'm a huge fan of his wooden toys. Oh yeah, his pool toys are yeah. insane. His uh, when he does the peanut things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of a a, a friend of mine, uh, Valishard. Yeah, I listen. Um, he found one of Steve's toys. I was like, you asshole! Like, how dare you? You know, I felt weirdly like cool, like listening to you guys talking about Steve just because I feel like he's my friend and I'm like, yeah, like, like I know someone famous, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I think that's, what's cool about this community is we all get connected. And like he, I told that story where he went to a movie store or a thrift store and was like, Oh, if you can name a movie mm-hmm. that you think I'm going to find. And I named the first three that he would find and he found them and he was like, Yucko, you win, but also you don't because you suck. <laughs> so it's, it's just a cool banter. So uh, we're back. I want a uh, quick little uh, backtrack to the toys, something that I was thinking about. Um, so we are all tied into this toy community and we're all tied into all these things. Are you, would you say that, have you ever done a run where you've had to produce 20, 25 figures or is that something that you're just not One into? One time. The way things played out for me with mm-hmm. my luck, with I guess you would call my luck, um, I never, like there's a guy, Buzzard Guts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is his name on Instagram though? Damn. Uh, he's super talented. One of my favorites and one of the, the first people I found on there or whatever. But he had always offered to cast and mold for me when I first started out with all my Nintendo stuff. Cause I was like, I'm not selling anything. This is yeah. all my shit. And he offered, and I was like, yeah, probably someday I will. But in my head, I was like, I'm going to learn on my own. I don't want mm-hmm. somebody else doing that for me, you know? But um, I just got so busy so fast that it became like, um, when was I going to find the time? You know, mm-hmm. And I, st- I still would like to find the time, but I'm so lucky and I hate saying shit like this because I feel like I sound like I'm just bragging, but I get so much commission work um, 
that there's not time to learn. And I don't even know that that's a bad thing right now because it's fun working on something new every day. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm not working on something new every day, but I have done a run one time with uh, life is terrible toys. His name's Tom. He's a very talented guy. And uh, we did some burbs toys, the burbs. I designed them, the card back and the figure. He did all the casting and molding. And then we split the actual finished products and sold from our own page. And I fucking hated it, dude. Mm -hmm. I, hated, I only had, I think, seven of my own figures. And, um, and I mean, no disrespect to Tom, because he did a great job on every part of it. But I hated every part of it. I hated painting the same thing over and over. And no disrespect to anyone who does this, because this, this is what most people do. And I, I totally respect it. But I'm so lucky that I haven't had to do it, because painting the same thing over and over. And then on top of that, I hate selling the same thing over and over. I hate yeah. You know, already with my auctions, I post them twice and I feel like here it is when the auction starts and here it is when the auction ends. And usually there's a story somewhere in there in the middle and you can see, and I know it's not all about likes and, and comments, but you can just see how quickly interest dies on the second post from the first. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first one is just like, oh shit, like this is the first time we've ever seen this. The second one, it's like usually less than half the engagement. Mm -hmm. So just imagine when I was selling those Burbs toys. It's just like posting them over and over, you know, like I still got some of these. Hey, still, these are still available. And, and, um, and I made money and so did Tom and we had a great time, but um, it wasn't a great time. I lied. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Tom did a great job though. And I, and life is terrible toys is, is a very talented toy maker who, who helped me out a lot in the beginning. Yeah. You know, I, I, re I have so much respect for like, artists like you and kingdom of spiders and um, I love, yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. And just like the, the being able to customize and do um, custom action figures and um, just knock them out of the park and do them so well. Uh, I always get so shocked when, cause I, it's like my brain doesn't remember. So I'll reach out to dove and be like, Hey, yeah, I'll be a part of designer con or um, comic con or whatever. And he's like, sweet. What's your figure? I need 20 to 25. And I'm like, damn it damn it like i didn't i always forget and so um there's something cool about that too i mean i'm complaining because i'm lucky enough to not have to do runs or whatever but i also am jealous when i hear you guys talk about i love dove i would love to be a part of something that he does and he he always has an open invitation for me yeah but I, it's just not what i do i don't fit into that world and um but yeah. i do get jealous when i hear about that I, I go to the convention sometimes and say hi but I'm not part of that. I would, it sounds cool. And people will be like, why don't you set up a table? I'm like, cause I make one at a time and I don't know how to do the shit these guys do, you know? Yeah. How do you set up a table for the one that I have ready right now or for <laughs> free orders? orders now and shut down the rest of my business. And yeah, it, it, it's very strange. I'm lucky to have what I have, but on the downside of that is um, yeah. If it does eventually die down and the, and my commission list dwindles and, the auctions are already a struggle because I've done so many for all these years that I'm like, I don't want to start reaching for just pathetic ass ideas just to have something up. You know? Yeah. So when, when things dwindle down, like um, if they could dwindle down with commissions too, it would be pretty nice to know how to cast and mold like you guys do and, and just focus on maybe some of my bigger hits or my better pieces and, and yeah. some second prints or something. But for right now, no, I've never learned it. I've never had to. And I hope I don't ever have to. Yeah, it's something. And it's just not like you can make it cost effective, but it's a shitty like 
I can't tell you how much molding goop I've wasted because I've fucked it up every single time. Well, you know, I just also have a lot of ego. I'm constantly trying to work on that, but I feel like I'm pretty good at what I do right now. And I feel yeah. like if I, if I, there's, there's people out there better than I am. I mean, Kingdom of Spiders, Lightning Bolt, uh, Recall Toys, those guys, Refill Things, those guys do exactly what I do. In my opinion, they do a better job at it. And some of those guys, they cast and mold too. But if I get into that, I, I feel like I hang with those guys and I'm happy just to be a part of it. But if I start trying something new and I know this is not the way you should act as an artist, but I'm also a working artist who needs to make money, then all of a sudden, not only do I risk making less money, but my ego is going to hurt when all of a sudden I'm like, fuck, mine look like shit compared to these guys. Like, yeah. And I, I try not to think about stuff like that, but I would just be flat out lying if I said I don't, you know, I, I want to be. I want to be at the top of my game. I want to be as close to the top as I can be. And I've been so lucky to not have to do runs that if I start now, then I'm definitely going to be at a major learning. You know, I, I'm going to have a lot of learning to do. And someday I will do it, yeah. I imagine. But. Honestly, I was once told, like, um, I, I was once told, I was listening to an audio book. Does that, mean, does that count as being once told? Yeah, they, they told somebody and you heard it. Yeah. Uh, it talks about uh, never outsource your core competency. And then as he describes it, he talks about like, if you're good at something, don't stop doing like that is your shit. Like don't, if you stop doing the thing that you're good at just to take on something new, you might be bad at a lot of things then. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And I do think that people should try to do new things. And I have you know, I've added new elements of sanding and adding on and sculpting over yeah. the years, gotten better at doing things like that. And someday I probably will have to cast and mold, but it's an art in itself. I mean, I have, I buy toys from these guys too. You know, I buy stuff from, from a lot of you guys and I see the difference in quality and resin and stuff like that. And I, and I don't want to be anywhere, but near the top, you know, I'm yeah. trying to, uh, to kill that ego every day, but it, it but it is hard. That's, that's another part of that other uh the other side of that sword or whatever of having a little bit of success is all of a sudden i can get kind of defensive about it i can get kind of i want to be supportive of everybody and sometimes i get jealous of people you know i, I i'm working on all that stuff yeah we interrupted this broadcast of toys on top to bring you this meanwhile in a galaxy of bootleg treasures dov2 we have engine failure we almost crash land on dke toy planet Oh my! We're doomed! Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We're saved in DLV2! Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DKE! Yeah, that's a good way to put that. We have been on this podcast like interview for a while and I love I like this type of interview is what makes me love doing this because I get to be uh, like in conversation with artists that I respect oh, and it's like you. yeah so it's super good thank you for giving me your time but we leave the last part of the podcast plug everything if you have new stuff coming plug that if you have something that you want people to see talk about it this is your time to All talk right. about you well, let me start by saying some of those artists that i'm jealous of let me put them out there i, <laughs> I find it i find it the best way for me to get past that kind of stuff is just to fucking swallow it and just support them you know let's do it um 
I've had a huge problem with readful things. The guy works too hard. He puts out too much good work and it's frustrating. Yep. So I reached out to him. He probably thinks I'm the biggest fucking weirdo. And I just said, hey, Adam, and we've worked together. We've collabed. We've, he's yeah. such a nice guy, such a talented artist. And uh, I reached out. I said, hey, man, I'm, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but I'm having a lot of jealousy. You work so fucking hard. And uh, I just want to give it up to you. You know, like, I'm sorry about the fucking shitty thoughts I think about you. And he was just, like, totally cool about it. I'm mm -hmm. sure he probably secretly thought I was a weirdo. But now I'll put him out public, too. That guy is a fucking workhorse. Um, lightning bolts action figures. Yep. He does what I do, but in a way, uh, in my opinion, a way higher quality. Um, Barbarian Rage. He does mm -hmm. things that I'll never be able to do. He to me to to me he is the scene. He does everything, and he's also a very very great friend. Of course, Dan is my idol. Dan Polydorus. Who else can I say? Uh, Kingdom of Spiders. Miguel. He's a fucking beast. He's got all kinds of talents, and I'm sure I'm jealous of a lot of other people too. Healy Made. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually lucky enough to be friends with Healy Made, and it's almost weird talking to him because it feels like he shouldn't be a human you know like the way things yeah. come out it's just like it feels like there's some sort of being just putting all that shit out but there's actually a real guy behind all that yep and then for plugs um if you want the best toys best ideas go to deathbytoys.com get out of here uh <laughs> he's got the best stuff the best uh products and then if anybody is struggling in their life on a serious note the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255 and i think we all struggle sometimes you you gotta plug your own auctions as well oh my shit don't matter man you yeah. guys know my, my name is dano brown there's an underscore in there um and you can find me on instagram i'm on twitter with barely any following every once in a while take an attempt at a joke that goes nowhere and i close down my facebook Pretty much just, I don't ever really have anything to plug because I'm not doing runs. I support Death by Toys. I'd be no, I'd be nothing without Death by Toys. So if you want to support me, support Dan Pardis. Boom. You're a good guy. Right, thanks for having me on. on tap next episode it's great it's amazing you're gonna want to listen to it it's not right now though you're gonna have to wait till the next episode to listen to it oh when's that the next one cool toys on tap the next one's gonna be good too so stay tuned and, and, and listen to that awesome